Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn your attention to our screen today. It'll be provided for you there, Joshua chapter number 2. And uh, we will start somewhere with verse 11. Amen. Please don't uh, uh, kick out of here early uh, toward the end. At the end of this service is when we'll be giving away uh, the free gifts and free prizes uh, that you have uh, filled out tickets and stuff for. So please stay around for the duration. Joshua 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shewed you kindness, that you will also shew kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Verse 15, then she let them down by a cord through the window for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt among the wall. Verse 17, I'm skipping around here a little bit. Verse 17, and the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, that thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. Verse 21, lastly. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. This morning, for a little while, I want to speak along this subject line. It's a little bit of a play on words, and that's the reason why we have the parentheses behind one of the words. I want to, I want to talk to you about the dying industry. The dying industry. Amen. Not just dying as in dying colors, but dying as in passing on the dying industry. Can we pray together this morning? Jesus, I come to you today. God, I'm grateful, Lord, for this great, Lord, grouping of people, Lord, that have come out on this Easter morning. God, to be in service, to be in church, Lord, to take some time to reflect and remember. And God, perhaps, Lord, revere, Lord Jesus, what took place many, many years ago, Lord, on Calvary's Hill. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, that your anointing, God, would be here to help us today as we look to your word. God, that it would supply, God, some answers, some support, some hope. God, for our lives. I know, Jesus, you're capable, Lord, of doing it today. And we put our full trust and dependence upon you. And we love and appreciate you. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. In the lovely name of the Lord. The dying, the dying industry. The story that I read to you this morning and trying not to read the whole chapter and the reason for my skipping around. But the story that I read to you today, uh, the dialogue is really taking place between a woman by the name of Rahab 
and a couple of spies from the nation of Israel. To understand the background just a little bit, there is a whole nation, a whole nation by the name of Israel that about 40 years prior to this moment in time had come to a place called the Jordan River. The land of promise that God had promised to them was just opposite of that Jordan River. God had promised them it was theirs, promised them that they could have it. But due to some doubts in the minds of the generation of that time, they did not go on and cross that Jordan or inherit the promise and everything that God had desired for them, but they would start on a journey that would last for about 40 years of traveling through a wilderness, just a constant journey, never getting to the land of promise that God had had for them. And now they come again to a point of time in their history that they're here at this very same Jordan River again. And the promise of 40 years ago had not changed. That promise of what God had desired for them, wanted for them, it was a land the Bible described that flowed with milk and honey, meaning it was a very rich and a very fertile land. That promise had not changed. But we have a new generation now that's standing on the banks of the Jordan River, eager, ready to go forward. And now their new leader, Joshua, sends out a couple of spies. He says, I want you to go over into the land. I want you to go into Jericho. And I, I want you to see what, what type of land's over there and what, what type of inhabitants are over there because Jericho's gonna be for the first city, the first stronghold we're gonna have to bring down. It's gonna be the first, the first place and city of opposition that we have. And we're gonna have to see what, what, what our enemy has. What type of artillery do they have? I mean, we don't wanna go into battle without knowing who we're fighting against and how big they are or how powerful they are and so a couple of spies go over to Jericho and the Bible says that they come to a house which happens to be Rahab's house and they lodge there that night and I don't know if they knew really what house they were in when they first got there but the Bible states that Rahab's house and Rahab herself she was a harlot she was a harlot uh, and of any generation in time that's not something necessarily smiled upon so much so and so here are these two children of Israel two people that have had the bounty and the blessings of God in their life and they're lodging at a harlot's house Rahab as a matter of fact any time you see Rahab's name mentioned in scripture it always seems to denote that negativity of being a harlot that she was a harlot in her life and as they were there the Bible tells us that the king of Jericho, the, the one that was over the city that they were going to conquer, the king of Jericho heard that there were some spies in the land. So he's seeking out to try to find them. He, he already wants to take care of some business, so to speak. And he heard that perhaps they went to Rahab's house. And so he goes there and there's questioning about where are these two spies that have come unto you? And Rahab, of all people, she does a little cover-up for the two spies and she says well they were here but they've left in the direction that they go she says I believe they went over this area here and if you go that direction you might be able to find them but in reality she was hiding them upon her roof under some flax there and, and so she sends these men one direction and then she tells the spies you boys need to go this direction because uh, the pursuers are after you and I want to make sure everything's fine and dandy and everything's okay and she says I need to inform you of something you want to know what's going on in the land here said the people around here are frightened the people around here are afraid because of some events that we've heard 
about you and your God. News has made it all the way here and she was even talking about news that had happened 40 years ago. She began to relate to them. We heard how you crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. We have heard how you have slayed some of the great kings on that side of the Jordan. We have heard about all of this. Now, Rahab hadn't experienced this herself. This harlot had not experienced these great things of God herself. She hadn't seen it with her own eyes. Personally, she doesn't know anything about God. She's a harlot. She practices the life of giving her body to a man for means of pleasure and probably more so money, whatever she could get by means of monetary goods through doing that. So she hadn't seen this with her own eyes. She hadn't experienced this. She don't know much anything about God. The only thing that was revealed to her was this, is that we have heard about this awesome God. We have heard about his mighty acts. We have heard that you're 40 years in a wilderness that he has supplied food for you when there wasn't any food. We have heard that whenever there wasn't any water to drink, he caused water to come out of a rock. And with everything that I've heard, this is a harlot, a Rahab, if you will, one that is not looked up to in society, basically doesn't have no connection to God. She says, I tell you what, she says, your God is the God of heaven and the God of earth. In other words, from what I have heard, what your God does for you, how he cares for you, how he supplied for you and given provision for you, she says, you can count me in because I believe in this God. See, I've met a lot of men. I'm Rahab. I'm the harlot. I've met a lot of men. I've had people come into this city. My house is on the city wall. I see them come and I see them go. As they are coming, I'm looking out for prospects for my business. And I've seen them come from different nations and different places and I've seen a lot of men. I've been close and intimate with a lot of men. But from what, everything I hear about this God of yours, he's unlike any man that I have ever come in contact with. He's unlike anything that I have ever been exposed to. And she's so taken back by all of this about how awesome that she has heard this God is. She's interested in getting in on this thing called God. And she tells them, she says, I've showed you kindness. I've hid you on my roof. And I just ask you one thing. If you'll just be kind to me, and my house and my father and my mother and all of my family, if you'll be kind to me whenever you come in to destroy this city, you'll just allow us to escape. Allow us to have some hope. Allow us to have a loophole where we can get out of this destruction. She said, I'd appreciate that. In verse 12, she said, in order for all this to happen, that I know you'll be kind to me, that I know that you'll give me a a place of protection a place of escape. She says, I ask of you, will you just give me a true token? Give me something by where I'll know without any doubts that whenever destruction comes upon my people and destruction comes upon this town, that you'll provide protection for me. If I could say it like this, that you'll provide salvation for me, you'll save me from all of this woe. Give me some type of token that I'll know without doubt that will happen because destruction's coming to Jericho. The walls are going to fall. The people are going to be slaughtered. The livestock's going to be slaughtered. And she's asking, I need some hope. I need something to grab a hold of, a true token of hope that everything is going to be okay and that there will be some kindness shown toward me. And the Bible says that whenever they spoke and told her not to tell another person about their business and what they were going to do and 
if she wanted her household saved, make sure everybody stayed in her house whenever that day come. They didn't give her a direct time when it would happen. They didn't tell her this is the day it will happen. They just said, be ready. They said, but for you'll know that all this will take place and that you'll be saved and that there'll be protection for your house. They said, we need you to bind this scarlet cord. Bind this scarlet cord, this scarlet thread in your window. And I want you to know, the scarlet cord it's speaking about is the same scarlet cord that she provided them in order for them to climb down her window because she's got a house up here on the city wall and they climbed down that scarlet cord and they were able to leave Jericho without harm. They, they were able to make their escape and they said, use that same scarlet cord from the window and hang it out there and that will be your token. Big deal. <laughs> I mean, I think the last thing I would want is someone's about ready to come in and now ate Mount Carmel and I've taken care of a few of the people that was going to do so and I said, hey, I need you to give me a good token that when you come in here and slaughter everybody in Mount Carmel, I need something to know that I'm going to be safe in my house. And if they would look back at me and say, hey, just put a scarlet thread outside your door, that's real comforting, isn't it? Just put a scarlet thread out there. We'll know that among all the other houses that you'll be safe. Ladies and gentlemen, if we'll take just a little walk today, a scarlet thread or a scarlet cord, we're gonna take a little walk today in the dyeing industry. Because in the dyeing industry, for years upon time, dyes have been made from the extracts that come from animals and sometimes plants and sometimes minerals. Amen. It's a very ancient craft to dye a cloth or dye wool or dye linen. All the way back in the Old Testament, we even read how in the tabernacle it spoke of these linen, these linen curtains were to be made of blue and purple and scarlet. But you did not go out in the marketplace and go to your nearest Walmart or your Joanne Fabrics and walk in and peruse the aisle and find, man, there's, there's a big old bulk of purple there. I need that. And there's a bulk of, of scarlet. I need that. There's, there's a bulk of blue. I know you didn't do that back in those days. In order to fulfill a tall order like blue and scarlet and purple, that was going to be largely dependent upon the hands of somebody weaving all of that. And not just weaving it, but it's going to be upon the hands of a dye or someone that was going to dye that material with their own hands and plunge that garment down inside of that dye. It, it was known as a messy job. They used natural elements and it was a messy job to dye a material. It was labor intensive. It was hard work to dye a material. Time consuming. You didn't just snap your fingers and you would have a scarlet thread. It, it took some time to, to make. There was a process in that dyeing. Amen. Very, very complicated process in order to dye that, 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 that scarlet thread. They worked in unfavorable conditions, the dyers did. As a matter of fact, someone that quoted from their time said that their hands reeked like rotting fish and that their eyes were overcome with weariness. Now, could you imagine? I'd hate to have the occupation of being a dyer. I mean, I've worked all day. I come in uh, to greet my wife, to give her a kiss. I say, honey, and I put out my hands and my hands reek like fish, rotting fish. Mm-mm, no thank you, dear. Kiss you from a distance. And as he had come in with his hands toward his wife, could you imagine, oh, I guess you've been working on the blue line today. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, you can't just get that stuff off your hands, you know. It didn't have the good cleaning. I don't care if you had it. You know, the magic eraser wasn't going to do it. It just can't get, can't get that off your hands. So he's coming in tainted with whatever he'd been working with all day. So, uh, you know, there's some drawbacks to being the dyer. But there were certain cur- colors that was more prize-worthy than others. Uh, purple and scarlet were known to be expensive dies only the royalty and the regal and the prestigious had garments that were of a scarlet color or a purple color but not only did the dye come by a literal process of dyeing things amen but there was a process that the animal that gave the dye went through as well as a matter of fact one of the oldest sought after insects oftentimes even known as a worm that they used to make the color scarlet. It was this word of worm is tula in the Hebrew, but this worm that they would use to make the dye of scarlet. That word tula, that worm, is used over 43 times in our Bible. 34 times it's described or translated as scarlet, eight times as a worm and one times as crimson. There was an insect or they called it a worm, a scarlet worm, a chrism worm that they would actually use to extract this red dye from for, for dyeing materials. Amen. And one of these times that this word, they're talking about this insect that they would use to help dye things. One of the times this word is used in the Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, God had inspired the writer David. He's writing about a thousand years before the crucifix. A thousand years before this time frame that we're celebrating today. And as he is writing, he writes in such a way that he is prophesying of the day that the Lord would be crucified. He's prophesying of the hour in which the Lord would meet all of these things because we can read in in Psalms 22 verse 1, the Bible says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know that to be uh, one of the cries from the cross as Jesus is hanging there, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You can look at Psalms 22 and verse 6 through 8. And you can read the scripture. He says, I am but a worm and no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. He speaks about they seen me and laughed me to scorn. They shoot out their lip. They shake their head saying, in other words, David is writing, but he's being prophetic. He's talking about the time that Jesus was on the cross and all the mocking of the onlookers that he went through. The Bible tells us in Psalms 22 and verse 16, speaking about his hands and his feet being Pierced, and we know that is the case on Calvary's hill. The hands and the feet being pierced and casting lots for the garments we read in Psalms 22 and 18. All these things are taking place that the psalmist David is writing. So he's writing in Psalms 22 and as he's writing for his own life, he is also prophesying for Calvary. He's prophesying for Golgotha. What would take place to our Lord and Savior on that cross? But one time in the setting of Scripture, that word worm that insect that a scarlet dye is extracted from is used in verse number six god if we could hear through the voice of christ saying i am a worm literally interpreted i am a scarlet worm i am the insect i am the animal from which the dye is extracted i am a worm 
in no man a reproach of men and despised of the people. Now, the last thing that many of us would think would come here on Easter morning want to go to a worm and begin to learn about God. But all throughout Scripture, he said, go to the ant and learn. We go to the birds sometimes and learn. We go to the ox and learn about God. We go to the lamb and we learn about God. And so today, we're going to go to the worm. And we're going to go to the worm and we're going to learn how that crimson worm relates, if you will, to the death of Christ on Calvary. This worm, this insect that they would get the crimson dye from, if you read its life cycle, this worm would climb whenever it was time to give birth to its children. When it was to, this worm, I'm talking about a real insect here, whenever it would come time to give birth to its children, it would seek out a tree to climb upon. And it would seek out this tree, it would climb upon that tree, no one put it upon the tree, no one forced that insect on the tree, but that insect by its own volition went to the tree, amen, and would attach itself to the tree. Ladies and gentlemen, today, if the parallelism is this, no one could truly put Christ Jesus on the tree. Not the soldiers, not the clamoring crowd, no one could literally put him on the tree. I'm here to tell you this morning that he went there of his own volition. He went there of his own choosing. He went there because he decided there was a nation that there was something that needed to be born and the only way that would take place is if he affixed himself to a tree. The Bible says that he could even call a legion of angels if he wanted to to come and take him down, but he didn't because he made a choice. I gotta go to this tree because I have some children that need to be born. So this insect goes to, it, to this tree all by itself. Nobody's forcing it to climb up on this tree. It goes there. Amen. It's there. It attaches itself. Amen. It knows that the moment that it climbs on this tree, it will not be coming down alive. Whenever this insect goes to this tree, it's going to this tree to die on this tree. This is literal science, folks. This worm will climb up on there, and as he is there, he's going to give birth. As it is there, it's going to give birth to a family. It's going to give birth to some eggs. And this will be the only time in its lifetime that it will ever give birth to any children whenever it goes to the tree. Amen. Ultimately, to die on the tree. Jesus knew back in the garden. He knew before he ever reached the garden of Gethsemane. He told his disciples, he said, there's going to come a time I'm going to fall into the hands of some unruly people and they're going to desire to crucify me. I'm going to die, but I am going to get up the third day. Peter was so adamant about that not happening. He said, no, it's not going to be, Lord. Let it be far from you. He said, no, I'm going to die. Whenever he went to the cross, he knew what was going to take place on the cross. Whenever he went to the cross, he understood death was going to take place while he was there. But that death wasn't going to be in vain. That death wasn't going to be void. Yeah, he was going to feel pain. Yes, there was going to be blood involved. But that death was going to birth a family. He was going to birth some children. So this insect attaches itself to the tree. The crimson worm, as it is known, secures its body because its body was going to become the shelter of its newborns. As a matter of fact, the scientists say that that crimson worm gets so securely stuck and affixed to the tree that if one would try to remove it, 
you're going to tear its body and trying to get it off the tree because it's dedicated to its task that's about ready to happen and about ready to go through. Nails, we say, hands and feet, held him there, we say. But if there were no nails, he had been held there. Uh huh. If there was nothing piercing the hands and the feet, he had been held there. Because what surmounts the nails and the hands and feet is the love, the compassion that he has for you and I. And as that worm is affixed to the tree, it lays those eggs. It shelters them under its body. Amen. It's giving them and offering them protection as it's attached to that tree. Not just that, though. Those little babies begin to feed on the body of that living mother. Amen. Begin to feed on the body of that living mother. And during her dying process, she secretes Sister Craig a crimson fluid or a crimson gel that stains the wood of the tree, stains her, and it stains her young children. And from there out for the rest of their lives, they'll be stained with the scarlet tone of, that came from their mother. Ladies and gentlemen, when he went to the cross and blood came from the crown of thorns, and blood came from the side that was pierced with a spear and blood and water came forth and blood came from the piercing in the hands and blood came from the piercing in the feet and blood came from the cat of 39 stripes and tails that was placed on his back that blood stained a tree but that blood also stained a generation that blood if you take it upon your life today will put an indelible mark an indelible print upon your life so in prophecy David speaking of the Lord if the Lord speaking himself he says I am a worm I am a crimson worm and just as that worm sought it out a tree and affixed itself to it for the purpose of birthing a family for the purpose if you will of staining or marking a generation likewise I sought out a tree on Calvary's hill I affixed myself there I was held there by love and blood was shed for the purpose of marking a generation I am a worm but it is today that insect that they'll take back years ago in New Testament times and make the scarlet dye to dye linen and wool and cloth. As a matter of fact, I was doing some reading in a magazine called Jewish Weekly from 2003. It said the dye, this was a Jewish man that was in the He's a professor in a college over in, in Jerusalem in that direction, so they know what they're talking about. And he said that dye that comes from the worm or this insect, he said it comes from the mother or that main worm and her eggs. He says the only way that you find that, there's only a two-week span for the worm, this one here, the literal worm in, in, in science. There's only a two-week two window there where you can find the mother and the children on the tree. And he says, you got to get them while they're on the tree or you can't get any red dye from them. 
If you find them on the ground, if you find them before the matter, he said, you'll not find red dye in mama. You won't find red dye in the insect. You got to find it while it's on the tree in order for it to have any use to provide any dye. The scarlet, in other words, the scarlet only comes by the worm dying. The scarlet only comes by the insect dying and giving birth on a tree. Hey man, if I could say it like this, the true dying industry involves a dying industry. In other words, he says, you, you can't get that dye and you can't get that scarlet unless it's on the tree. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prior to Calvary, prior to Calvary, yeah, there was blood and there was dye, but it was still inside of a body called Jesus Christ. Amen. Prior to Calvary, the blood wasn't made accessible for you and I for the washing of our sins, for the healing of our diseases prior to Calvary. But if you let him get on a tree, if you let him get on a tree, it's there that that blood is made accessible to you and I. So Rahab, our token, our true token for you that you're going to be saved. Our true token for you that everything's going to be okay when destruction comes. Take the red cord, the scarlet cord, and place it out your window. Because Rahab, that scarlet cord didn't just happen. That scarlet cord went through a dying process. And more importantly... The animal, the insect that that came from went through a dying process in order to produce that scarlet cord. So what does a scarlet thread mean for a harlot? What does a scarlet thread mean for a Rahab? I mean, if this is her only true token, what does that mean to her? I mean, she's a harlot. She's not painted in the best of pictures. As a matter of fact, throughout Scripture, amen, God had even told his children, the people that he called his people, he said there's no Israelite woman that should become a prostitute and that, that a prostitute's offering was even rejected by God in Old Testament Scripture and that if a priest's daughter became a harlot, she was burned. In fact, whenever the children of Israel went to the land of Canaan, a large reason why they were thrown aside and destructed was because of their lack of morals in the area of impurity and sexuality. And so what type of hope is there for a harlot called Rahab? Can you imagine as she told her family, everybody, we need to gather in the house here. I don't know when it's going to take place, but they said they're going to come. How do you know they're going to come? I got a scarlet thread. <laughs> How you know this is going to take my token? They said was a scarlet cord. But we got to gather in here. We got to be in here close. And uh, we don't need to say anything about this to anybody else. And I know they're going to come back. Yeah, right, Rahab. How many men have you ever had in your life? And how many times have you heard them say, oh, we really like you. We're going to be back. And you stay there on the wall as long as you want. They never come. She says, I don't know, but they just gave me this token. And I just got to believe that this is going to take place. This is going to happen. That they're going to come back for me. I know every other man in my life and every other individual in my life, everyone that told me that they was going to be there and they was going to support me and they were going to protect me and they was going to be by my side. I know every other individual I've had like that in my life has told me they was going to be there and they haven't showed up. 
I know every other person that said, hey, don't worry about what you're going through right now. I'll walk with you through that and I'll be there for you when your, your children are sick and I'll be there for you whenever the money isn't there for your bills and I'll be there for you when your world's cr just crumbling and falling apart and they never showed up. But there's just something inside me that says they're going to come back. Let me tell you this morning, I can tell just by right now that I hit a chord with somebody out here because you have said the same things that have people say the same things in your life that said, they'll be back. I'll be there for you whenever you really need me. I'll hold your hand whenever you're going through that woe and you're in the middle of the woe and nobody's around. I'll love you. Some of you are sitting here today because you stood with men and women that looked in your eyes and said, I'll love you. I'll cherish you. I'll go where you go. I'll lodge where you lodge. And they're not here today. But you've been given a token by heaven this morning. It might not seem like much just on the surface, but he has given you a scarlet thread, a scarlet cord that involves some dying, involves some dying. She's sitting now on the window up there, if you will, of her house that's right there on the city walls. She can see everything that's going on in the distance with the children of Israel. They said they were going to come back. It looks like right now that they're crossing the Jordan River. The priest has got the ark out there. They're crossing. It's not going to be long now. It's going to be here before long. Oh, wait a minute. What's happening now that they crossed the Jordan? What's taking place? They're picking up stones, picking up stones, and they're stacking them in a pile. Man, this is just taking more time, you know, guys. Destruction is coming. And they put 12 stones in a pile. Well, that's fine and dandy, but we're all here in the household, and I'm worried about my safety and my safekeeping and my protection and whether or not they're going to. And now what are they doing? They, they got a meal and they're killing some lambs and they're eating they're, they're celebrating Passover my goodness I, I wonder if they are going to come maybe they were just blowing some smoke I just don't know and now they get to Jericho she's sitting there on the wall they go out everybody does day one and they march around the wall no one's saying anything she wasn't told everything in between she was just told that we'll be back so they march around the wall one time and they go, they take up camp. Well, what in the world's going on? I mean, I got the scarlet cord hanging out the window. I mean, it's got to be a, a little bit more obvious than anybody else's house. They go out day two, the same thing. Day three, all the way to the seventh day. And then on the seventh day, they march seven times. I, her hopes was probably getting up a little bit. They, every other day, they went around once. But today, man, they're starting on trip number two. Yeah, we're, we're getting somewhere now. And at that seventh time, they cry out, amen, and the walls fall, amen. But the Bible says that they go, and you understand where Rahab may have been? She knew who she was. She knew the life that she had lived. She knew that according to her stance that she was far from God. All that she knew is she heard about the wonder and the awesomeness of this God. Man, I desire to be a part of some of that. Because all I've had is ridicule. Because all I have had is disappointment. Because all of I, I have had is fear in my life. I would like some security. I would like someone to really wrap their arms around me and love me. I like for someone that says they care and really lace that with meaning and really mean it that they truly care about who I am and where I am and what's happening in my life. And the only thing that I got to hang on to around here is a scarlet thread that's hanging from my window. If you can show me verse 18 one more time, Sister McGee, of Joshua 2, 
the Bible said, the men spoke to her, those two spies. They said, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. In other words, this scarlet cord that you let us down by, you keep that same scarlet cord in the window. I believe there was something being transferred right there because that scarlet cord, in essence, was a main reason why those two boys received protection and had their escape and was saved from harm by that scarlet cord. And they said that same scarlet cord. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm one of Israel. I'm called his people. But the same scarlet cord that's allowing us to escape today. The same scarlet cord that's allowing us to have protection today. That's saving our life today. That same scarlet cord will be your token. That what he did for us, he can also do for you. The same salvation it brought us, it will bring you. The same means of escape it brought us, it will bring you. I come to tell a group of people today that wherever you are in your walk in life, it may be disappointments, it may be heartache, it may be be fear it may be the lack of love in this world but the same way that I have protection the same way that I have had a way of escape God is providing you the same means today by his death his burial and his resurrection this morning someone say yes So she looks at it. That provided an escape to them. This is the only thing I got to hold on to. It's going to provide escape for me. How do you know? Because I've seen what it did for them. Daddy said, how do you know, Rahab? Because I've seen what it did for them. See, they're not here. They're protected. They're safe because of this scarlet cord. Daddy, it's going to be all right because I know what it's done for them. Let me tell you today, those Israelites, highly probable they would not have made it if they jumped from the city wall. Several feet high, not without injury at least. <laughs> and there's nobody that you see in this building today that doesn't come in a relationship with God without needing a little bit of help, without needing a little bit of aid. As time would go on, and I'm trying to hasten to a close, but as time would go on, the dyeing or textile industry has changed big time. Now, rather than natural dyes, they weigh heavily upon synthetic dyes. And synthetic dyes have virtually replaced all the natural dyes from years ago because mainly they're cheaper to make. It's cheaper to make the synthetic dyes. It's a costly process, Brother Terry McGee, to use natural dyes. It's even more costly for the process of the animal that produces the dye to produce it. It's cheaper. That may be the case in a literal sense. But from my understanding, and if you'll stand with me, I'll close. From my understanding, the natural scarlet dye 
is distinctive in a few matters. For one, it's distinctive in its color. Anybody that's familiar with dyeing can point out what has been dyed scarlet by a scarlet worm or that insect rather than something that is synthetic because it's distinctive in its color. Number two, they said that whenever they would actually grind up the scarlet worm, this particular insect used for dye, when they would grind that up and it was crushed, it released an aroma and a pleasant fragrance. Unlike the old rotten hand fish melon dyer, this was a sweet, nice fragrance. Honey, you are not going to be exposed to any better aroma than what was exposed on Calvary's hill. You say, well, yeah, it would have stunk, but in a figurative sense, ladies and gentlemen, when his body was crushed, <laughs> whenever, whenever he was taken and all that happened to him, there was a fragrance that was pleasing to the heavenlies. I guarantee you. Lastly, number three, a distinctive quality about a natural dye Concerning this one in particular, it had medicinal properties. The scarlet worm wasn't just for dye, but the crushing of its body was used in medicine. My mind goes to Isaiah, whenever it talks of the Lord and Savior and said, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. You could take your synthetic dye. It might be cheaper, but I want something that's going to cost something. I want something that's going to have some medicinal properties for my life. I want something that's going to have a sweet, fragrant aroma, amen, that's expelled in the process. If we embow our heads today, I may be talking to a large group of people here this morning. Some of you today may find your lot in life and perhaps you're not Rahab the harlot. But you could attach your own descriptor and your own adjective to who you are today. But I guarantee you there are many sitting here because how do you know this, Brother McGee? I tell you how because I know humanity. I know mankind. I know what life is about. I know there's people here today that's living with some disappointments. There's people here today that's living with some broken promises. There's people here today that have uh, family members and even perhaps spouses that you looked into the eyes of and they said they loved you and they're nowhere to be found today. I'm talking to a group of people that's had people speak in their life and said, I'll be with you through thick and thin and they're not here. And I'm up here trying to give a testimony this morning about the awesomeness of the God that I serve. About the love and the compassion and the gentleness and the kindness of a God that I serve. And some of you today may have already been pricked in your heart today. Man, a life, of, a life of, of having somebody that could walk there with you through what I'm going through right now. Man, I'd do anything to have that. And you're just in awe about maybe what you have already felt here today. And say, man, I'd, I'd like to experience this on a daily basis if I could just feel what I'm feeling right now. I want you to know today I've given you a token. There's a scarlet cord. There's a scarlet thread. It all happened from a dying industry. Whenever I say dying, I'm talking about the dying that's on Calvary's hill. It didn't become scarlet and it didn't become tainted. Amen. Without there being bloodshed upon a cross, he willingly went there. He affixed himself there. He was held there by his love for me and for you. And blood was shed for our saving. Blood was shed for our redemption. Blood was shed for our protection. It's the same for you. What gave me escape is the same thing that will give you escape. It will be what happened at Calvary. 
what happened at Golgotha. He did not have just Paul McGee in mind when that was taking place that day. He did not just have the 12 disciples that he had tutored along the way for three and a half years whenever he hung there that day. But the man that had the cat of nine tails in his hand, he had that man upon his mind as well. The pilot that washed his hands and said, do what you will with them, he had that man on his mind as well. Amen. He had every Rahab there ever was and every Judas there ever was and every betrayer and accuser and mocker there ever was was on his mind that day. He was giving them a token by which they could have protection, by which they could escape. It happened on Calvary this morning. God is here today. He's wanting you to understand He's provided you with a token. These altars are open. We're going to sing. If you desire to come down and pray, we'll pray with you. If you just want to stand with Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.